Hey. Hi, I'm Ashley. Hi, I'm Makara. And uh, this is Creeped Out and Creeping Around. Welcome to our podcast. So enjoy the ride. Creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. Your podcast is hard, guys. There is a cat trying to break into our recording room. That sounds about right. Should I let them in? Sure. Is it Oscar? I think so. Oh, it's them. It's the twins. Oh, man. Welcome, Oscar. I have a million animals, and they are Actually, all very needy. But her cats are so cute. They're so needy. Hi, Dwight. Hey there. Oh, man. It's Dwight. Look at the party. Everyone's here. Everybody wants to learn about Lake Crescent. <gasps> so oh, that's right. Let's get into it. Ash How about telling that? Us about Lake Crescent today. Um, Lake Crescent is a wonderful, wonderful place. It is beautiful. I'm not sure if you've ever seen pictures of it, but I have seen pictures of it. It is a water. beautiful, beautiful lake. Um so it is in Olympic National Park. It's one of the deepest lakes in Washington. The official depth ranges between 624 and 650 feet. There has been some like weird readings in other parts of it where they say it's a lot deeper, but the official, like, everybody says, oh, that was just an error. So, how did they like measure it? Do you um, know? Like with diving instruments and like they like do sonar and stuff with boats. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's got a high concentration of nitrogen in it, uh, which prevents the growth of algae and creates like an extremely clear lake. So you can see the bottom of it. It's super clear and it's so cold. It is icy blue and freezing cold. It's up in the mountains, so it is kind of to be expected, but it is a very chilly, chilly place. It's crescent-shaped, but it's not named after its shape. Just Why a little fun is it fact. called like Crescent? I uh, it was it was named after Port Crescent, What's which that? is a Kalalum Kalalum. Kalalum? <laughs> Kalalum? Kalalum? County. Uh, yeah, it was uh, in Kalalum County. Um, they tried to make it like a big city, so they named the lake after it to try and like attract people. In. Oh, so they named their city like Crescent, and then they named the lake after it? Yeah, they named it Port Crescent. Oh, that wow. Was in, that was in the late 1800s. I didn't Before know Before that. that, it was named Lake Everett. There's still not much out there. Not even. <laughs> yeah. It's very remote. You know, it's like a beautiful lake. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. is remote as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's really funny because in my notes, uh, I didn't really know how to say this. Uh-huh. So it's 5,127 acres, and then I have big in it's question marks. 5,127 acres. I feel like that's a few. It's I feel not, like it's not a small piece of land. Well, it's not like acres wide. Okay. And it's not like acres long because it's long at like, it's just 500 or 5,127 acres. That's still a lot, though. It definitely is. Right? It was... Big? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it. Anything it sounds more right. than, like, an acre is a lot in my head. Oh, man. Now he Bye. wants out, so Bye, we gotta we gotta let Dwight out. Sorry about that. Go on, get then. It was created uh, over a thousand years ago. Uh, the lake was dammed by an earthquake. The lake so. was dammed by an earthquake? Well, like, it was created by an earthquake. Like, rocks went down and dammed off, like, a river or a stream and created this lake. Oh, and it created the lake. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, with freezing cold waters. I cannot stress that enough. Right? I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he keeps opening the door because he Every doesn't like Every time I shut it, he opens it again. <laughs> yes, he's... 
He's a little peach. I think I've got it all the way down. Yeah, I think he's still batting at the door, though. <laughs> and Oscar's in. just in the closet, climbing on everything. Oh, he's, he just jumped into a just bag. He's just vibing. He's just He's vibing. having a great time. So, Lake Kalalum's tribe has a mythology associated with it, which describes the Mount Storm King. He caused the landslide to punish the Kalalum and the Kalut tribe for disturbing the peace and fighting. It's said that he hurled a giant boulder into the glacial valley and killed all the warriors, and in their place, a peaceful lake emerged. So that's kind of the start of its very dark history. Damn. Because this is, like, a super dark lake. It's not not just for what it's known for, which is a lady in the water. Yeah, it's got some dark history. So the first... Like recorded incident was with the Warren couple in 1929. On July 3rd, 1929, Russell and Blanche. Uh, Russell was 35 and Blanche was 33. I love that name. They I never knew that name. Blanche. <laughs> Blanche. <laughs> Only from like Golden Girls. I know. <laughs> I didn't really think that it was also. And she really. wasn't even old, so it's like hard to picture her only as Blanche from Golden Girls. That's who I'm picturing. Right. <laughs> and she was only 33, so it's like a young Blanche. I don't okay, know. Blanche prior. Okay. Junior Blanche. Junior Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> they were going home to the Bogachile, Bogachile River Logging Camp uh, from Port Angeles. It's They were going along a narrow dirt road along Lake Crescent, which is the way the route took them. Russell was picking up Blanche from the hospital. She was suffering from an unknown ailment. It doesn't... They never found out what... What specifically was happening. And they also ran some errands. He paid a grocery bill. They paid the car bill. And they bought a washing machine. Oh, fancy. Yeah. And they were discussing plans for the next day, uh, which was 4th of July. They wanted to take their sons, 11-year-old Charles and 13-year-old Frank, to the Hot Springs, which is right up there. They had a 13-year-old and he was 33. Dang, they started young. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what you did. That's what you did. That makes sense. Uh, 20 years old. And they were home alone. The boys were home alone that day because they were 13 and 11, so that makes sense. They were fine. Yeah. But the uh, 1927 Chevrolet that they were driving never made it home that day. Yeah. So a two-month-long investigation was then, like, conducted. So were the kids orphaned? Yeah. I'm, I, I'll tell you about okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not saying that it, like, ends good because it, it doesn't. Okay, but okay, okay, okay. We'll get there. Okay, fine. Um, They found some skid marks, broken glass, and, like, a hat that belonged to Russell. And then they dredged the lake, but it was really, um, I mean, it was the 20s, so they couldn't really get very far. They sent divers, and the divers were only able to go 78 feet down. Yeah, because they hadn't, like, adapted that technology that far. Yeah, and even, I mean, even the the sonar was not, not where it's, like you know, way deep down and they can see the bottom of the ocean or anything. It was, like, very basic. Um, They, yeah, didn't have any signs of them in the lake. So, it was rumored that the Warrens just, like, abandoned the children. Yeah, I'm sure they broke their own glass trying to get out of their car and, like, abandoned them on foot. Yeah, it was, like, that they took, um, they just took off. And their friends... Their friends and family, like, quickly were like, no, that's not ever a possibility. But it didn't stop for, it didn't stop the rumors from happening. And, like, so the kids heard the the rumors. And that was very hurtful. Yeah, I bet that's hard on them. It was, it was really hard. And they were sent to live with their maternal grandmother. Uh Uh-huh. Was she, like, an okay lady? No, it didn't end up actually working out. (sighs) Frank ran away and Charles left really shortly after Frank left. But he was they, only like thirteen, right? Yeah, so I think I think he was like fourteen or fifteen when he was on his own. Oh my god, I wonder what he did. Uh he yeah, didn't have like the best time. Um So what happened with the grandparents? 
Well, the kid. Uh, I don't know what happened with the grandparents, but the kids like they just didn't get along, so they didn't end up staying together very long. Like, oh, like the boys didn't. Yeah, like Ooh. they ran away and kind of went their own separate ways. Oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It kind of sucked. They never really found out what happened to their parents. Uh, Charles ended up disappearing. The younger son ended up disappearing on June 14th of 1964. He was in a fishing boat accident. His fishing boat collided with another fishing boat, and they sunk. It was really foggy in Northern California. Um, he was, was 47 like years old. Boat? Yeah, it was a pretty big fishing boat. Oh, and they never found him? They never found him. He was lost at oh, sea, which dude. kind of was crazy at how it ended up working out with his parents. Right. Yeah, like, they were lost in the water as like, well. In the lake. Yeah. So then, what happened to the other brother? Uh, he became an alcoholic oh. and died of pulmonary congestion and edema at age fifty-seven wow. in Maple Valley. So he did. Wow. That was in nineteen seventy-two. Holy crap! So they lived pretty hard. They did. Um, I would say so. Yeah, they didn't have like a good, a good situation after and their nobody parents died. Nobody ever found out what happened. To no, their parents. they didn't ever find out. Well, like the, the kids didn't ever find out, and that was like really hard because they really took those rumors personally, and eventually were just like, yeah, of course our parents left us. Like, Aww. so it kind of su- like it really sucks that they were never able to find out what happened. But 73 years after they had disappeared, in 2002, volunteer divers discovered the Chevrolet. No way. Yeah. No it way. Was, uh, it was about 166 feet down at the west end of the lake, um, and it was the result of an 11-month investigation Dan Pontbriand and Jean Ralston conducted. They were found sixty, about 60 feet from the lake shore. Um, they were survived at that point by their great-granddaughter, Christine Coachman. She was 32. And, oh my God, and she never knew what happened to her. Grandparents were like, oh my gosh. All those generations. All those generations, and they never knew. Yeah. So wait, they so. found their bodies too? They, d- I don't think they end up found, finding their bodies in there, but like the car was mostly intact. So they knew. So it's still like ongoing. Could well, it be? no, they're pretty sure that this is what happened because the lake kind of eats people. Like it breaks you down in a certain the way. The water breaks you down in a certain way. Yeah, because of the nitrogen and all the stuff in it. Oh, fascinating. Wait, so they think that they were just like disintegrated in the lake essentially? Basically, yeah. Oh my God. Because it's been like, like I said, seventy three years. That's so seventy three years in yeah. water, in the and water. they were exposed too. Right. They weren't like wrapped up or anything. Oh my god! So uh, that is been. what became of the Warren couple. And interestingly enough, when they dredged the lake, they found like a whole bunch of cars in there. No way! And they said it was likely from like a carjacking gang from the nineteen thirties. So I wonder how they got into the lake. The next incident of the deadliness of Lake Crescent. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, so far, a missing older couple, and they were never found. Okay. And I guess that kind of goes with the reputation of the lake, and it's said to, like, never release its dead. That's kind of, like, it's... Was that from, like, the original earthquake... It was. It was from the legend, yeah, because the bodies never apparently resurfaced after right, all the warriors all the, were killed. Wow, yeah. So okay. it's just said to never give up as dead. That's so fascinating. That's so creepy. Yeah, it's it is. just a lake, people, but no, that is so creepy. And it's like a very clear lake, too, so the fact that like you, you can't, can't, see, you can't anything. see anything uh, down there. Ew! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yuck! Uh, so now we're going to talk about Ambulance Point, which is a spot on the lake where there's been quite a few tragedies. Uh, in 1956, an ambulance swerved off the road, which is how the point got its name. This was on August 27th, 1956. Okay. It was returning to the hospital in Port Angeles after picking up an injured lum- lumberjack from Forks. His name was Ernest Monroe Dahlgren. 
He had broken his leg and was strapped down to the gurney for safety. Mm -hmm. Because he was strapped down, he could not escape the crash. And he ended up drowning. Oh, God. That's terrible. And the two medics ended up... Were able to swim to safety. Oh, that's so fucked up. Did they go back for him at all? No! No! They ended up... No, oh my God. He ended up at the bottom of the river. That is the opposite of what a medic is supposed to do, I think. But what if, like, really... Well, you I think mean, they have to take, like, a swim test or something to be I hired? I don't think so. I feel like it's not their fault if they don't know how to no, swim. No, I mean, it's definitely not their fault. Like, they probably were just trying to not die. It was yeah, probably I get up, it. Like, and, like, they probably were like, oh, wait, shit, that guy. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Guys. He'll be fine. He'll figure it out. No, he, he did, did not. not. Oh, of so. I'm so sorry for that guy. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry for those medics, too. That was probably really traumatizing. Uh, sorry, Ernest. Sorry, <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> and then on 1960, January 24th, 1960, a Dodge sedan skidded off the road. It was carrying Dan Steele, Beverly Sherman, and then two more people. But luckily with this one, everyone escaped. And what's interesting is that this point is also kind of right around the point where the Warrens would have skip, skidded off the road. Oh, so it's like... So it's all tied together. It's, it's just this point is really deadly. And then um, when they were dredging the lake looking for... This car crash that, um, the Warren's car crash and the evidence for that, they ended up finding the car that Dan Steele was driving and Beverly Sherman reached out to them and asked them if they could locate her suitcase that was in the car. Does she really think it's there, though? It was. They got it back to her. No way. What was in the suitcase? They didn't list what was in the suitcase, but, like, she got it back after 40 years. Important. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, I wonder if these shoes will still fit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all, like, waterlogged and gross, but, like, can you you imagine like, getting that back? I bet that would be a hundred percent so satisfying. That would be so crazy. Like I finally got this back <laughs> after and forty the, years. I know. I would have been like, "What suitcase? What car crash?" And the fact that they like went into the trunk of this car that they were like they weren't even looking for. Really. I mean, like you might as well. Might as I'm might down as here well already. Open the trunk. You know, like, yeah. Might as well look. Fine. She put in that request like quick with I the know. quickness. She was like, well, Hello? I, it lasted eleven years so, or eleven months. So I imagine somewhere in there she found out about it. She found it, out about out. it. And she was like, by the way, did you guys find a suitcase in the back by chance? Come on. <laughs> Can I possibly get that back? I promise it's mine. Uh, so, did they say anything else about, like, surviving that accident? No, I didn't really look too much into it because oh, I was okay. focusing on another part of this case. Or another, I mean, oh. another body that disappeared. Okay. got you. But it is pretty interesting, and I would like to look a little bit more into I it. I would like to go there. Can we go there? Yeah, absolutely. Let's make plans to go to this point because... You know, with our sketchy ass cars, it'd be really fun to see if we put, oh, like, fit in the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> we could report yeah. about it. And I'm terrible at driving, so say. <laughs> and our cars are both so sketchy. So sketchy. Okay, let's do it. Let's uh, make a plan. Okay. So, back to that. Back to that. Um, this one's a little bit more recent. Okay. It has ties to a serial killer named Israel Keys. Oh, my God. I read a book about him. Oh, no way. So, he was a former U.S. soldier. I forgot about that. He lived in Nia Bay, which is very close to Port Angeles, which is also very close to Lake Crescent. Uh, After leaving the Army, that is where he settled down. In a FBI interview, he said that the town was so boring, that is what triggered him to start killing. The town he, of Port Angeles? The town of Nia oh, Bay. the town of Nia Bay. The town of Nia Bay, uh, which I I get that, yeah. I've never been there. Uh, it's very boring and small. Okay. And 
Uh, in that time that he was there from 2001 to 2006, he murdered five people. No. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I yes. remember this. Oh, my God. I read this book a while ago. My cat and dog are playing. It's I mean, so it's cute. adorable. He, I'm not upset about it at all. <laughs> he later moved to Anchorage, Alaska, which that's where he was caught for murdering a 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. During his interrogation, it was revealed that one of his victims, or more, because he never really narrowed down where his other victims were done, was in Lake Crescent. And Lake Crescent has that reputation of keeping its dead. Keeping its dead. Neither, Not even one of the victims have been recovered. None of the victims have been recovered. That's so crazy, because so many people have died there. Yeah. That's so, a fascinating case. If you haven't heard about it, you should look into it. He's said to have murdered 11 people. Oh, my God. Hey, Dwight wants in. Should I let him yeah, in? Yeah, let him in. If you guys can't hear that meowing, it's a cry for help. It's a cry. Dwight, come a on desperate in. desperate cry for help. Hey, Bog, see you later. It's just a revolving door in here. Actually, really does have a lot of animals, but not like so, too many. Just like so many. It's like a <laughs> lot more than you would think a person would have, but like it's a normal amount once you're hanging out with all of them. It's a pretty big house. With it a is big a pretty yard, big house. So. Yeah, it makes sense. They're not usually all it's so annoying. They're <laughs> and I love them. So now we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes of okay, my. Okay, give me that meat and potatoes. This is the story of the Lady of the Lake, which was set in about 1940. 1940 is when it really popped off. All this old timey shit. Old timey shit. The so on a July afternoon in 1940, two trout fishermen pulled a body from Lake Crescent. It was uh, weighed down at one point. It was hogtied with rope. And you could tell that it was coming from about 300 feet down. The body was dressed in a wool dress. She had on underwear and silk stockings that were rolled with garters right above her knees. On her feet, she had bunions and she had auburn-colored hair. How her was she there? Her wall. We'll get into that. Oh my god. Her face. Let me set the scene. Okay, okay, okay. Her face was unrecognizable. Uh, the upper part of her face, her upper lip, her nose, and the tip of her fingers were all gone. They had all been dissolved off. But the rest of her body had not decomposed. Oh my god. It went through a process of saponification, which is where the minerals of the lake reacted with the fats in the body and turned her into soap. Oh my god. I can't even breathe right now. Can this you see like how oh my fucking face? I'm like, I know. I am, like, I can't breathe. It's oh very god. exciting. This oh my is god. really exciting. That's so um, terrible. The process made the body lighter and more buoyant, which is why it ended up coming to the top and okay. the icy waters had basically kept her refrigerated, which is why she stayed Preserved. preserved. Oh my god, she's still cold good meat? Basically, but but her flesh had turned into a soap-like substance that could be scooped away like putty. Oh, that's so disgusting. How much of her body could you just scoop out? You could just, like, take your hand and get a a little handful. Like, chew her bone or, like, like, her bones? Yeah, I mean, like, it was, like, all her layers of flesh she had turned into soap. How did they know she turned into soap? Like, were they, like, comparing it to soap, or were they just like, you know what? I I, think I could, let me try something real quick. (laughs) I think it was just, like, the process of, like, how the fats reacted, because, like, soap is made from, like, fats Fats, and oil. So I think it was just something like that where they were like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. I don't know. But Harlan McNutt was the man who they called in to examine the body. He was visiting from his first year of med school over Mm -hmm. on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Uh, What an exciting visit. What an exciting visit. For a college student. For a little (laughs) 26-year-old guy. You know, Mr. McNutt was killing it. He was killing it. (laughs) Good job, McNutt. (laughs) 
There was clear signs that she had met a very violent death, unfortunately. Her neck was bruised and her chest had extensive hemorrhaging. So they could still see the bruising? Yeah. After all that time? Isn't that so spooky? That is so creepy. Oh my god. Um, Mr. Er, I'm like grabbing my collar. Right. Uh. <laughs> Harlan McNutt tried to open her mouth. But it was really difficult. Sorry about that. I'm going to try to edit that out. I'm going to do my best. Okay. The dog freaked out. But Good luck. Can, Good luck. Continue. Okay, sorry. Continue scaring me. Sorry. I am, like, having so much anxiety over here. This is a good one. It's uh, really... I, I am so, I like, was so happy when I, I chose this. This is a crazy amount of stories. I am just, I like, baffled. Oh, now I'm nervous. Don't be nervous. It's okay. Oh, my God. Um... So, um, where were we? Uh, he As tried to open the valve, mouth. but it was like, it was stuck. And it he didn't t- want to tear it off. He was Fair really enough. nervous. That's her face. And then Sheriff Kemp, uh, he was not a man to wait around. Did he sh- Did he open her mouth? Did he pry it open? He pried open her mouth. <gasps> oh my god, that's and terrible. And it caused the bottom of the jaw to come off. Ew. But... This is a really great thing that he did this because it ended up exposing a dental plate that was in her mouth, and that ended up being the clue that solved the case. Her dental plate? Her dental plate! There's clues in everything, guys. Yes, and at this point, they had not identified her. How long have they been like, like examining her at this point? Um, probably about a couple weeks. It doesn't really specify, like, exactly how long the examination lasted. Okay. But it wasn't, like, a quick process. Okay, 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 okay. So, at this point, she had become known as the Lady of the Lake. Because it was super eerie. Like, this whole ass body just came yeah. to the top. Ew, just and it had been su- there forever. summer day. Just like, oh, here I am. Um, we were just trout fishing over here, and I think we found a body. <laughs> right? <laughs> so she was the first person to ever come out of the lake. She was, like, one of, yeah, like, the first person. I'm not sure if they ended up, like, yeah, yeah, actually, because the 20s, like, they had not found them. No. They didn't find them until 70. No, later, yeah. So, like, yeah, she was the first body that ended up coming back up. Oh, my God. Um, so... In order to try and get her identified, Sheriff Kemp sent out a circular to all of the dentists that were registered, offering a $100 reward. And remember, this is the 40s, so that was some big bucks. That was some big bucks. And also, they were like, hey, guys, we're the police, but can you please do this for us? You're some money. Right. I so didn't if they the could, police, like, asked. They were just like, Yeah, you know, if they could identify the plate. Do it. <laughs> um, so... Luckily, Dr. Albert J. McDowell saw that circulate, and he was from South Dakota, and he insisted he had made that for a Hallie Latham sparkler, or Sprecker, in October of 1826. 1826? Or, no, 1926. I was like, holy shit, wait, what? Whoopsie. 1926. It's just so old, you know. Yeah, it's just so old, you know. So old. Oh my god. So old. So after more than a year of this body just hanging around, it had been identified as Hallie Illingsworth, a beautiful waitress from the area. So she was a waitress. She was a waitress. She was... Now I'm going to talk a little bit more about Miss Hallie. Okay. Give me some background on her. Okay, tell me about her. She was born on January 8th, 1901 in Greenville, Kentucky. Uh, She was number five out of 12 kids. Her parents were Finnis Marion and Marion... Or in Mary Bunny Latham. So she had... Her mom went by Bunny. They were a farming family, and her chore was mostly to keep after her young siblings. Sure. Because she had, like, a million of them. the middle child stuck with all the terrible chores. Exactly. Like, five out of 12. She had seven younger siblings. That's crazy. So so many many kids. kids. I feel like part of the reason people had so many kids back then was to, like... Make sure that the, every next one had, like, a babysitter. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they could, like, continue to do their bullshit. Right. You have to tend to the farm, and I hey, need you to you watch are that one. five, and- so now I need you to watch the three-year-old, okay? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Call me if you need me. <laughs> but don't. 
Don't call me. But don't call me. We got chores so, to do. So, exactly. <laughs> she ended up becoming really close with her sisters, Cammie Bruce, Anna Margaret, Lois Christine, and Laura Burke. Oh, that's so sweet. I yeah. love that she had so many sisters. She had so many sisters. And I love that. She ended up having to stop school in eighth grade because hard times had hit the family. Oh. They had to start moving west. So from Kentucky, they moved to South Dakota because there was a lot more farming opportunities there. What kind of farmers were they? They farmed tobacco and, like, wheat. So stuff like the cash crops, really. Cool beans. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Smart money moves. But, like, I think they had to switch to a different kind of farming in South Dakota. I didn't really find where... It probably was corn. They didn't really specify what exactly they were farming in South Dakota. They just said, like, it wasn't the tobacco anymore. Copy that. Got it. Um, and, like, this this was when times were starting to advance. Like, cars were becoming more frequent, and it just was becoming, like, less and less of a Victorian era. Sure, sure, And sure, more sure. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, I don't want to say modern, but it was becoming more of yeah, yeah, an yeah. evolved area. Mm-hmm. So, on September 26th, 1919, which I also happened to share this anniversary with my husband, September 26th. What happened on September She 26th? married her first husband, Floyd James Spraker. Oh. He was a mechanic who served in World War One. Sweet. His family was in the auto business, so it was, like, real lucrative and cool forward-thinking. Yeah. They were married for almost 10 years. They had a daughter, Doris, or Doris Marie. Sweet. She um, she often entertained, like, how they like to have friends over all the time. So, at this point, how old is she? Uh, she would be, like, 20. 20. She would... This was in her 20s. Like, they... This was... Um, they were married for 10 years at this point, so she was, like, 28. She was born in 1901. She was born really a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Holy shit. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, she was born in 1901. Um... But yeah, anyways. So. <laughs> Sorry, I was just like, man, okay. how old is she? Right. They were both uh, drinkers, despite it being Prohibition era. Of course. Her and Floyd, like, they gotcha. were heavily into partying. She, like, liked to have dinner, like, she had liked to have dinner parties. She was a party gal. She was a party gal, and that kind of stayed that way for her whole life. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she did not give an F. Sounds about right. Hallie and Floyd did break up. Uh, in the late 1920s, which was kind of unfortunate because it was, like, right before the Great Depression hit. Okay. And then, like, all of the droughts destroyed all the crops in 1931 and 1932 when, like, the South Dakota came, like, the Dust Bowl. Okay. That's when that was happening. Okay, okay, okay. So, it was just a real bad time for most people. Uh, She, of course, decided, like, to go and find her a new husband. She was waitressing. When she met her second husband, Donald B. Strickland, he was in the restaurant business, and she was seven years older than him, but this did not affect her. She did not give an F. She said that she was a divorced person, or she was a widowed person on their marriage license. Oh, she was not widowed, though, right? Oh, no, she was not. And she had a daughter. Yeah. What happened to her daughter? You know, it's kind of weird. It doesn't have a lot of information about what happened to her daughter. After she divorced her husband, yeah, she was, was like, see you guys. Like, see ya. I, I don't know if she was just like, see you, wouldn't want to be ya, I'm leaving you here. <laughs> yeah. Or if she took her along, because it says that the, there's like a possibility of both. Okay, so. But she also she lied and husband. said that she was five years younger on her marriage license. She was like, fuck you, lying about my age. Well, she probably looked young, right? Maybe. Oh, yeah. She was beautiful. Was she? She was. Uh, Here is a picture of Hallie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, she was really pretty. She was very pretty. Wow. And, you know, like her her parents before her, she had decided that she was going to go west. To okay. try and find a better life. So she went more west. So she went more west. They moved to Seattle, okay. which at the time had 370,000 people. Wow. So it was a boom in town. It, it was wasn't, a boom in town. It didn't, like, it wasn't protected from the Great Depression, but it also wasn't hit as hard. There were a lot more opportunities as far as, like, forestry and stuff like that. Sure, yeah, yeah, So... There was a lot of hope in the area, which Hallie really identified with. So she went with her new husband to Seattle? Yes. Okay. 
And they were in the auto business. No, there they ran a restaurant. Oh, they it ran was a restaurant. his parents was, that were in the auto okay. business. Okay, okay. Yeah, they ran a restaurant, and that was like in the city. They were, you know, moving and grooving. They were restauranteurs. He kind was, of restaurant do you think? I don't know. I imagine they didn't have like too much variety. I think it was all kind of like diner food. Hamburgers. Hamburgers. I like a good hamburger. I, I love a good hamburger. It's, it's the lifeblood, you know? Yes. So they most likely lived above this this restaurant, and that's where it comes in that it wasn't really confirmed if her daughter lived with her or not. Okay. She might have like came and visited, but I don't know if I don't know if she really. Well, how did her ex husband feel like when she was just like, "See ya." He, I think, was like, "Also see you," because I think they had a lot of problems. Okay. Because of the partying, like this is a this sure, is a pretty yeah. big theme in her life. Plus, it was like the forties and like exactly people it was, were just doing whatever they, they wanted. They were she was doing whatever she, she didn't give an f like she I did said. not give a fuck. Okay. Copy in that up. marriage, her second marriage only lasted a year, and Ooh. then she was like, "See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya again. Fuck off. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, she took a job." As west as you possibly could get in the state without it being Canada. She went and uh, took a job at the Lake Crescent Tavern, and she lived near Port Angeles. Copy that. Okay, so now she's Super, She was like, I am the most west that I can be. There's so much hope here. It better work out. I am so far away from where I was. <laughs> <laughs> she took a job as a waitress at the Lake Crescent Tavern. Okay. Which is setting the scene. Um, it's a rustic lodge with rental cabins on the southern shore of Lake Crescent. It's where a lot of people from Seattle went to go have their weekend jollies. Sure, it's a beautiful place. This is also, unfortunately, where she met Montgomery... Montgomery? Ellingsworth. What a fucking name. He went by Monty. I mean, that is cute. I would call yeah. a cat Monty. Oh, a cat named Monty would be so cute. I wish I could have a cat. You I can don't have, like half of mine. <laughs> Can I just borrow You can just borrow them Oscar from time sometimes. to time. Oscar hates the car, but you can definitely try it. <laughs> He's always trying to leave with us, so one day Phil was like, okay, let's go. And he put him in the car, and he lost like a half a block, and he was freaking out. So... Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. You wanna, Poor Oscar. Here you go. Never mind. Yes. Monty was born in 1908. Okay. In Ruskin, Nebraska. He also had spent some time in Long Beach, California before moving to the Olympic Peninsula. Mm-hmm. He had a daughter as well named Patricia, which I think they both just said fuck off to their kids because his ex-wife Esther was after him for some child support. Okay. He did not pay. Monty, come on. Cough it up. Yeah. I think, I think they were both some deadbeat parents. Perfect. But, yeah. Match made in heaven, I guess. I don't know. They got similar problems. (laughs) They met in either late 1934 or 1935. Okay. And she was still waiting tables at the Lake Crescent, um, the Lake Crescent Tavern. He was, like, a tall, husky, nice-looking, and he was, like, super personable and friendly. He was, like, he was described as a ladies' man, which... I mean, okay, fine. Sure. He had a job. He was a beer delivery man. So oh, that's, that's a cool guy. Yeah, that's why he met, like, all these waitresses. He, that like makes so much Yeah, sense. he oh, was what? delivering like a, all the beer, and he'd talk to the barmaid oh, and charm. such a waitress scammer. Charmed the little oh, pants off them. All those cute little waitresses. Oh, right, so cute. We all know that guy. That oh, works yeah. at the restaurant that's just like flirting with all the waitresses. Every single one of them. And Every single one of them. It's a whole thing. And then it yeah. turns into restaurant drama. Oh my gosh, the vibe. I miss it. <laughs> I, I don't miss it. it. I don't miss it at all. <laughs> no, we, we have some of that at work, but yeah, like but it's way more hush hush because yeah. there's so many fucking people there's that work so there. So many people, yeah. Um, Hallie <laughs> was five years older, which okay. made her really self conscious on this. Like the last marriage, she could give a fuck that she was super old. But now she's like, but now she's like, oh my god, I'm five years older than him, and he did not like treat her nicely about this either. He really played up on her insecurities. He would talk about other women, and he would like make her feel really ugly. She had like 
she was getting older too. She was an older waitress. She had bunions. She smoked. She Ew. like oh. wore a dental plate that she didn't tell him about. Oh my gosh. Um. So. So why was he like bothering her then? If like he was he not was really mean to her. He was not a good like boyfriend or husband. He was a real son of a bitch. Ugh, he liked to they they both were drinking and partying constantly. Again, okay. And they would also fight just as much. They lived paycheck to paycheck. They ran with a fast crowd. They're always partying at each other's houses and along the front uh, and along Front Street in Port Angeles. So there's like a bunch of bars there and that's where they would like hang out. Yeah, they would really romp it up. Wait, so what did Monty do again? He was a beer delivery guy. Oh, that's right. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, so Hallie was just as much of a hellraiser. She would go and start fights with women who were talking to Monty. (laughs) And she, like, more than once had to have the cops called on her for starting fights. Holy Hannah, crazy lady. Yeah, they would fight in public, too. At one occasion, um, yeah, she found him with a woman in the back of his car at a hot spring, and she lost her fucking mind. Okay. What did she um, do to them? She just, like, she lost her mind. She okay. screamed and yelled and, like, hit them, and she kind of went crazy. And right. and they were married, Good. though. Anyway, <gasps> but despite it all, yeah. they got married on June 16, 1936. So all this happened before they even got married? All this ha- yeah. Before they got married... It was crazy, and they just went to the Justice of the Peace in Seattle. I mean, I get it. So, just, like, a super quick marriage, and... Something that you think you can, like, reverse the next day. Oh, my God, (laughs) right? And and I don't really know... There's, like, a lot of, like, claims of, like, they don't really know why she stayed with him, whether it was he, like, made her feel super small, or it was just because he was such, like, he was such a machismo, you know, like, just, like, oh, because a real so man's hot, man. Like, she has yeah, to stay with him. he was so hot, and the drama was so and crazy. And the drama was so good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the drama. So much drama. So steamy. <laughs> so, five months into the, the marriage, though, uh, police were called to break up a fight between them. Okay. She often went to work with bruises on her face and her arms and oh, black that's eyes. Not good. And he felt comfortable enough to hit her in front of coworkers and friends. No fucking way. The yeah. balls on that guy. Oh my she, god. She did fight back, but she was also like an itsy bitsy little lady. He was almost a foot taller than her, and he weighed all, or like almost two hundred pounds. He was a big boy. That would be exactly like me and John. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, like he's exactly a foot taller than me. So is um so is my husband uh, yeah. yeah ew yeah 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 so is husband he right. is he's a foot taller than me he's a little bit over like a hundred pounds heavier than me and I imagine it was probably the same thing she was just itty bitty just a little itty bitty gal so she could fight back all she wanted but it really didn't go anywhere. go very far but she had fire yeah. in her. I get it. So not only did she find him with other women at like the hot springs, she also caught him at a notorious whorehouse in Port Angeles, like cool. on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. And he would just like threaten to choke her. Uh-huh. He was a real son of a bitch. Yeah, what a douchebag. So after all that, we get to um, about her disappearance. Yeah. They. So this was a December. She. They had been making plans for Christmas. They were supposed to go over to a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 21st, Monty decided to go to a party out at Fort Warden. Okay. Oh. Which is a military base by Seattle, for uh-huh. those of you who are not from around here. Hallie decided that she was not sticking around. Um, Hallie decided that she was going out. She was going to have a good time. Okay. And so, in preparation of this, she put on her rayon panties, and she had some pretty big bazoombas, so she... <laughs> you mean, she like, had, Yeah, she, she had, had some 
Big old titties. Okay. So she had to have a reinforced bra. Oh, wow. And in the 30s I feel like that would 40s, be hard to come by. It would be so then. ugly, You know what I mean? Too. Yeah, be probably. Like those weird little coney ones. Oh, oh awful. yeah. Ew. Rough. Yeah, she had to wear, or she put on some silk stockings and her garters and just roll them above the knee like she was known to do. Mm-hmm. Um, she put on a green wool dress and had a belt cinched around her waist. That sounds like an outfit I would love to wear. Yes, it honestly. does. Yeah, and this is this is what the body was found in. Oh wow! So did they ever keep the clothes? Like, what did they do? I don't know what they did with it. That'd I be weird. If they went to like a museum or something. I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe to her daughter. I don't know. Ew, no. Right. Yeah. Hallie went um, to the hotel annex. I'm sorry, the Annex Hotel, to meet her friends. They were regulars there. They, Her and Monty, they were known to stomp in the spot. Okay. Uh, they often had a room there reserved. Oh. Like, in advance. It was just oh. like, I have this room because they would get so drunk here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was she, for, like, sexy times, but that no. makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes way more sense. I mean, maybe, like, a combo of both. I imagine that's why. Yeah, that makes sense. That's right. The makeup fights. Right? <laughs> yeah, the makeup fights, for sure. Yeah. Uh, she was reported to have, like, quite a few that night. She was tying one on. And so she picked a fight with another woman, just because, for shits and gigs. And the police were called. And they promised at that time, they were like, we'll keep it down, it's okay. And um, so they did, and the police left. And then... After that, they were like, you know what, let's let's blow this pop stand. And they got out of there and went to another friend's house where they continued to drink. And she got lit. Her and Monty? No, just her by herself. Oh, just she her was by like, herself. Okay. She was living it up because Monty was out of town. He gotcha, was still gotcha, at gotcha. That. He was still at that Fort Warden party. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she decided finally around 2 a.m. that it was time to go. Okay. And another friend decided to ride with her. On the way out, she hit another party goer with her car door. And then just like drove into <laughs> the night. <laughs> And she, and she had the passenger with her. And they were like, and me. They, yeah. Did you want to stop for that? <laughs> Eventually, they got out of the car. <laughs> was like, smart move, smart move. I, I think, think I should think, go. <laughs> I think I should go now. <laughs> Can you just roll over really quick before you continue? <laughs> I think it was like a little later. <laughs> but she did end up driving home alone. Poor... Oh. That was the last time that anybody ever saw Hallie. Okay. She was hitting them with their goddamn car. <laughs> People wouldn't forget about that either. They're like, no, I saw her yesterday. She hit me with her fucking car. It's just such a fucking... She just drove off. What a bitch. <laughs> now, Monty was also reported to have left around the same time at 2 a.m. From Fort Warden. From Fort Warden. Okay. So it did start to snow, so he didn't get home till much later. Now, investigators, um, now nothing happened between 1937 and 1940. She was just gone. She was just gone and she missing. She was just gone and missing. Did anyone report her missing? Did Monty report her missing? Monty did not actually report her missing. What the fuck? He said that she was gone. She so gone. She okay, just, bye. She just left. Uh, somebody Eat else reported her. Anyway. Yeah, right. Nobody actually reported her missing, I don't believe. Oh, my gosh. Because she she was just like, she lived really far from her family. Her family did believe that this, something was up because they thought that she would, like, she would always write. Because she had those sisters. Yeah, she, like, had, she had the sisters. sisters. And right before she actually, like, disappeared, she sent out a, a Christmas card to one of her sisters. Okay. So, so she was, like, present enough. Yeah, she For them still, to be like, the something sus. And so, yeah, absolutely. So something, something was definitely afoot, but you know, everything didn't kick off till 1940 when that body was found, and it really wasn't like identified till 1941. So up until that time, it was just kind of just dormant. She was just gone. But as soon as she was identified, they decided to search for Monty because they had these police reports and stuff of mm-hmm. him beating the shit out of his wife. Right. He was working as a bus driver in Long Beach 
and he lived with a girlfriend, Eleanor Pearson. She was a beautiful blonde daughter of a Port Angeles businessman. So okay. he had met her in Port Angeles. And then taken her to California. Yes. Okay. At that time, you know, they decided to chase down all the rumors before making a move on Monty. Okay. They went um, and sent telegrams to Alaska because they had been told that she ran away to Alaska. They also sent a detective to Bremerton to follow up with a soldier that she was said to have run away with. Okay. And all of these rumors were fueled by Monty. He is the one who said that she ran off with somebody else. Okay. 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 And he was making up these stories. And he told everybody different stories, too. Sure. He was not consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So, Monty was finally arrested after all of these, like, leads were exhausted October 26, 1941. How come they arrested him, though, like, when he wasn't even around? When she was, like, off on her own? You know what I mean? What do you mean? So, like, he was um, coming back, like, at the same time. So, like, they weren't in the same area whenever she was, like, gone. You know what I mean? Because he was coming back at the same time from, Well, like, they had met up at the house. Oh. He He even admitted during um, interrogation that they had seen each other in the house, but he said he left again because they had fought. They and had then, been fighting. Okay. Yeah, and then he came back and she just had taken her she shit and gone. left. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Gotcha. So I missed that part somehow. Well, I hadn't got there yet. Okay. So it was they just they just were searching for him in connection because he was beating his wife and right. that was his wife. That and this had was shown like up. so many years later, right? Yeah. And like he it was suspicious because he had never reported her missing. He just told everybody that, that she, she just left. left. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So which I mean, you know, I guess both are both are plausible because if you're beating the shit out of her, eventually she's gonna leave or you're gonna kill her. Which or you're is gonna kill her, yeah. What happened? Which is yeah. Now it was kind of, or it came to light that only days after the disappearance, Monty was spotted with Miss Eleanor Pearson. Oh, so she was his other woman this whole time. He was his. She was his other woman this entire time. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. And he did admit during interrogation that he was intimate with her at this time. Yeah. And within a month of Hallie disappearing, he was fully living with her. They were like playing. He house. moved on quick. Yeah. He moved on a bit too quick to Even think that your wife married. like yeah, yeah disappeared. So. It was at that point they were just like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and charge him. So the trial began February 24th, 1942. Okay. It was in Kalalum County. Kalalum. Kalalum County in Port Angeles. Uh-huh. Uh, it was right before... Uh, he was arrested like six weeks before Pearl Harbor. Okay. So this was like full-on World War II si- times. The country was just like on the brink of destruction um, like Russia was getting a lot of pressure, so there was just crazy news all over the world. It was, you know, World War Two, big popping deal. off. Yeah, but popping this off. news, right? <laughs> but this news often overshadowed the war news. Sure, because it was such a salacious trial. Wow, they were like there was betrayal and murder such and adultery gossip. yeah and you know it was such hot goss and yeah. partying and alcohol and this is what happens when you drink you know right it last the trial lasted for 9 days oh wow so attorneys decided to use the defense that she was still alive they were <laughs> like that body definitely isn't her you're wrong they had a dental plate, fucker. <laughs> what are you talking about? And that was the thing. They like they called up several witnesses, and quite a few of them said, like, oh, we saw her after, but eyewitnesses are pretty unreliable. Yeah, I mean, statistically. <laughs> yeah. Especially, what, 40 years later? Exactly. 20 and years, they, whatever, how long it was? Well, I mean, it was only, like, five years later oh, okay. at that five point. Because she, she disappeared still, in That's 37. a long time. Do you remember something you saw five years ago? No. No. Me no. either. If I think really so, hard about if it, I, If I could... Maybe, like, if I, I could know. track where I was in the world five years ago, <laughs> I cannot remember what I did yesterday, let alone. Yeah, no. Oh, so. yeah. Yesterday was a long day. <laughs> it was a long day. 
So that's what they were trying to go with. That was their defense. Is that it's just okay. not her. But they also brought up um, the dentist, McDowell. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, I absolutely made this dental plate. It's my signature. Like, that is my dental plate that I made for this woman. I yeah. know it. I know it. It's... He it's didn't in her mouth. Down. It's probably hers. Yeah, he didn't back down at all. And they brought several family members up to, like, corroborate this is what she wore, this is how she rolled up her stockings. Like, it was very distinctive of her. This is how she always dressed. Right. Um, they also brought in Jessie Hudson Knapp, who actually sold her that wool dress that she was found in. Okay. He was, like, a shop guy from Montgomery, Montgomery Ward, which is where it was purchased from. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Brooks was also brought in, who actually lent some rope to Monty, and he identified the rope as the rope that he had lent to him. Oh, no fucking way. Why would you borrow rope to tie your wife up? Why? And send to the bottom of the lake. Like that because is, people were, like, invested in their shit, especially back then. They're like, right? hey, remember that five yards of rope I lent you? Could I get that back? It, I like, need it ma- back. It makes a difference. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the jury consisted of a couple of farmers, a bookkeeper, a mill worker, a druggist, which was a pharmacist, a homemaker, and a businessman. Sounds like... And they only took four hours to deliberate. They knew what was up. They knew that he had killed his wife. And they I mean, this is him. also people that had been like listening to all that gossip all oh, this time yeah. too. And there like was they've no like such they probably things. like have known them at some point. You know yeah, what I mean? There was no such thing as jury contamination at that point. It no. was all just like So where was this trial happening again? This was in Port Angeles. In Port Angeles. So mm-hmm. they brought him back from California. Yeah, okay. they did. They extradited him. Gotcha. And like Yeah, that makes sense. And they're like I remember that guy. It's crazy, though, because he was sentenced to life at the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, and he only ended up serving nine years. Nine for years. For second-degree murder. So they convicted him of Yeah. And he was, sentenced, uh, he was sentenced to life and ended up serving nine years. Oh, Wow. He was, Why only nine years? I don't know. He was paroled uh, January 10th, 1951. Okay. And Did he go back to his other wife? He he didn't go back to his other wife, but he definitely went back to California. Okay. Because he ended up dying in California in 1974. So he was just out living as a murderer on his own free accord from 51 to 74. So how did they say that he murdered her? Like the He strangled her. Okay, so there's bruising on her neck. Mm-hmm. He had tied her up. Yeah. He strangled her to death. It was said, like, so they just, they sentenced him to second degree because they said, like, they were probably fighting, which is very true. You know, they were always fighting. Yeah. And so he, so it might have been just like said an he'd take it too far. And at that point, you could still beat your wife. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. Um, Hallie was ended, or Hallie was buried originally in a pauper's grave in night in Port Angeles, which is just like you know a little cross. Okay. Um, because she was ide- unidentified at the time, and then once she was identified, her body brought her to Vancouver, Washington, and she there lies with an unmarked grave. Why does she go unmarked? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if they can pay sisters? for it. They were really. Like, I mean, none of it the was people still, in her life, like, could pay for her funeral? I imagine that was probably the case. It was probably really expensive to get over from South Dakota and then to, like, mark a grave on top of it. So, like, it never happened? Like, it's just still unmarked somewhere? Well, she's she got at least moved to, like, a grave where her family knows where she is and Oh, stuff. okay. It just doesn't have, like, a dedication to her. Oh, interesting. I wonder why. I am not sure, well, but... I guess that's fine. That is the story of Miss Holly Illingsworth and Lake Crescent. Admonson. Holy shit. Admonson. 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 Wow. Ashley. So, yeah. I want to go there so badly. Yeah, it actually, it's a beautiful hike. So, uh, we're going to, we're, we do plan on doing that hike. Um, at some, some point. Time. Yeah, some point when we it, can the get weather. up there and get some equipment with us and yeah. just do a little. But we have tiny little cars, so we but can't we risk do. getting And it's, stuff. like, kind of getting into the wintry time, so it's kind of sketchy to drive yeah. all over the place. <laughs> so we'll get um, there. We'll get there. But and we will report. But, yeah. 
Yeah, I hope wow. you, I hope you enjoyed my story. I, it was so good. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. It's such a pretty place. I never like so I went there one time and I was like hanging out at like um I think it was like the Lake Crescent Hotel or something cuz that's where my cousin worked. Oh, okay. And I didn't get like any of those vibes. Like we just sat on the beach and hung out and like I, it was just like such a peaceful place. So it's like so fascinating that it has such a dark history. It wants to keep its peace. It wants to keep its <laughs> peace and she was the only one ever pulled out, right? Yeah. Has there so... been any like more people pulled there's out? There's definitely been a lot of bodies found in there. Now? Like as oh my far gosh. as there's definitely like a lot of drownings in that lake because it's so cold. It's kind of it's like kind one of one of those, those things that, like, never heats up, right? Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things Washington. where you like forget that it's that cold, so you go out too far, and then your body goes into shock, and you can't make it back. Oh my gosh! So there's been quite a few deaths in there, and a lot of the bodies have been recovered, but like, like Israel Keys is you know victims, they're never going to be pulled out probably. Oh my gosh, so if they're there, yeah, like maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, he said he dumped him from a boat, and when it's 600 feet down, like, that's so yeah, that's far. that's hard to get to, for sure, especially so. with, like, oh, I mean, it's a lake, so they won't get taken by any sort of, like, crazy currents, but, like, there's still no. animals and stuff in Oh, there. yeah. Like, tearing them apart. Oh, my god. And with the minerals and stuff. Yeah, and, like, with the minerals and stuff, it's, like, disintegrating bones. It's crazy. So. <laughs> I had no idea. That's Lake Crescent. <laughs> he did such a good job. I am blown away. <laughs> go look at the sun. Is it still there? Yeah, we should definitely get outside. (laughs) Anyway, we're gonna go. Bye. Oh, but before we go, you can find us at at Kawaka Podcast on Instagram, and you can also email us your traveler's tales at kawakapodcast at gmail.com. Okay, that's about it. Well, I guess you can also look at our cat videos on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We'll have cat videos there. Bye. Bye. (laughs)